Hi, Don. Hi, Nick. How are you doing? I'm good, mate. You? I'm great, thanks. To be honest, I'm pretty excited as we're launching our Patreon over the next week. Yes, what an absolute treat to start 2023 with. I'll tell you what, though, before we start, I'm parched. Do you have any drinks? Uh, I don't. But our listeners could treat us to a dandelion and burdock every month to keep us hydrated for the podcast. Sounds good, but what would they get out of it? Well, for just £3 a month, they could get a full video episode with behind-the-scenes preamble and post-show chat every week. And let me tell you, wow. that's usually a real treat. <laughs> that, 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 that sounds like a real treat. That sounds awesome. I'm well up for that, but I don't need to because I'm involved. I don't need to pay. No, but they'd get that a day earlier than everybody else would release on a Tuesday. Surely, in that case, they'd also get the podcast version a day earlier as well. Absolutely. I'm concerned. Now we've become sellouts and decide to have adverts featured on the podcast, people will come for us with pitchforks. Well, in this tier, they'd get the episode ad-free. Excellent. Surely they can't get anything else in this tier. Not really. Only an extra wrap-up podcast at the end of each season where we watch interviews and performances from the era we've discussed and one watch-along episode a month where we'll watch and discuss a classic gig, film or anything Arctic Monkeys related. What, like Glasto 2013, Live at the Apollo, Scummy Man or Submarine? Yeah, exactly. And there's so many more. But I'm not done yet. We'll also be putting out special birthday party episodes on each band member and associated band members' birthdays. And do you know what's good about that? What's good about that? Alex's is the 6th of January. Amazing. Sounds like that would be a great day to launch the Patreon then with an Alex Turner birthday party episode ready and waiting for our patrons. As always, Nick. You read my mind. It's an amazing tier. And again, you get all that for just £3 a month. Yep. I don't see what else the next tier could possibly offer on top of that. Well, if you're now well hydrated and you fancy grabbing a pint with me, our listeners can treat us to one in our local, The Cornerstone. I'll be there in 10 minutes. For just £5 a month, our listeners can access our Cornerstone tier and get all the great features already referenced on the previous tier. Plus, and I'm excited about this. I'm on tenterhooks here. Or... Rusty hooks, as it were. Nice. Well, our Cornerstone patrons will also get a monthly Last Shadow Puppets podcast where we'll do a deep dive into a track from the beginning of the catalogue all the way to the end. Amazing. B-sides and all. B-sides and all. Wow, that's just outstanding. So all the previous features and the Shadow Puppets pod, incredible. Well, also... Each subscriber gets to pick any song from any band or artist that doesn't feature an Arctic Monkeys member in the act or production, and we'll put the songs into a prize draw once a month. So, for example, you might pick Thank You Next by Ariana Grande. The winning subscriber will get a podcast in our format on that song. They'll stay in the prize draw until they win, and we'll refresh annually. This all sounds amazing. Well, apart from the Ariana Grande bit, but yeah, that's a me issue. <laughs> so, we're launching on Alex's birthday? Yes, on the 6th of January, come to our link tree or socials to access Patreon, where you can choose your tier of choice. Once you've signed up, you'll immediately start seeing the benefits with the Alex Turner birthday party episode. This is all very exciting. Isn't it just? Well, we hope you're all as excited as we are and can help support us throughout 2023 and beyond. Bye, everyone. Bye. We're Arctic Monkeys. This is Don't Believe the Art. That rock and roll, eh? That sound means it's the end of the game. Time for the bonus question. Cheers, dude. That man just yawned. We're going to call it, man. Don't believe the art. 
Hello and welcome to episode numero five of Don't Believe the Hype, the weekly podcast taking a chronological, factual and hopefully mildly funny look back at the career of Arctic Monkeys from start to finish with your host, me, Nick Lee, and of course, that man over there, it's Dan Holt. Dan, how's it going this week, man? Yeah, really good, really good. Uh, I can't believe it's been five already. That's that's amazing. You, sh- you shocked even me there, even though I know. You still shocked me when you said it. Yeah, no, I've had a I've had a good week. You? Yeah, not bad. Time really does fly when you're talking like niche bollocks, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Although not not so niche, apparently, as our uh, yeah viewing figures would suggest. <laughs> yeah, it's because like um, the, the yeah. other the other two podcasts I do are like very very niche. So I kind of expect that this will be in the same vein, but it, it hasn't been. So it's it's been very exciting. No, no, unless we completely, um, you know, people decide they don't like us and root them, <laughs> and then it becomes niche from our own personalities, make it niche. That would be disappointing. But uh, yeah, because yeah. well, at, at the time of recording, we've only we've only released one episode so far. So so maybe the 800 and yeah. odd people who listen to the episode are just listening to make sure that they don't like it. Before, before they don't tune into any of the others. Just like, oh, it might be for me, but I'm going to listen to the full hour just to make sure that it's not for me. Yeah, yeah. But I would say that, you know, that first one, we were surprised people like it because it is just two blokes chatting about Arctic Monkeys, really, isn't it? There's no um, real structure to it or anything, um, you know, any deep dives on that. So it's, it's cool. But I think what you're going to get today is much more... Um, uh, much more of a structured approach and some interesting analysis. But yeah, very excited about tonight's episode, Nick. I am. It's uh, another, well, I suppose we're going to say it's a classic every week, aren't we? But this is actually another actual like classic, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's a classic episode. Episode. Well, I'm having, I myself Again. <laughs> it is, uh, yeah, we're really getting into some real fan favourite tunes here, aren't we? And with that in mind, what are we going to be chatting about tonight? What song are we doing? We are going to be chatting about the third track on What Are People Say, and that's what I'm not, Fake Tales of San Francisco. And with that in mind, I think we should have a copyright friendly listen to it. 29 seconds. Yeah, I've 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 trimmed that bad boy down. Come for me now, copyright police. And there's a super cool band, yeah, with trilbies and their glasses of white wine. And all the weekend rock stars on the toilet, practicing the headlines. He gets it. I don't want to hear. Kick me out. Very clever. It's all I want to hear, you know. And that, that copyright friendly clip was taken from the second music video to be released for that track. Mm-hmm. It's one of one of a limited number of Arctic Monkeys tracks that have two music videos, and I'm sure we'll get onto them in the future. But it's yeah. over to you for a feature that we are imaginatively titling the information action ratio. Fake Tales of San Francisco was originally released on the band's first EP, Five Minutes with Arctic Monkeys, in May 2005, of which only 2,000 vinyl copies were ever pressed. 
It was then featured on the band's debut album, and the song was released as a radio-only single in the United States instead of Leave Before the Lights Come On. The song was also released in the Netherlands and Canada, where it reached number 31 on the Dutch Singles Chart and number 43 on the Canada Rock Billboard Chart. The track is 2 minutes and 57 seconds long, with 80.2 million streams on Spotify and comes in at 127 or 129 beats per minute, depending where you look, and was written in the key of A. (laughs) Other key tracks... Written in A, I hope you like what I did there. Um, other key tracks written in A are Africa by Toto, Take On Me by Aha, and Every Breath You Take by The Police, or as they're now known, Sting, among thousands and thousands of other songs. Getting back to Fake Tales, though, it was again produced by Jim Abyss, but there is no mention of Barney this week. No, no mention of Barney. Just I know. Barney. <laughs> I know, the dinosaur one, that dinosaur is theme tune. <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, yeah, it's a shame, but I can only assume he was still there pottering about at his mixing desk for this one because he did the whole. He assumed he was on the whole album and not just the first two tracks. The lyrics of the song expressed how bands portrayed this fake image of who they were and what they wanted their audience to perceive them as. The music video, the original, the first music video for the song, was directed by a friend of the band, Mark Bull. It features a compilation of footage of some of the band's earliest performances at various gigs and was given airplay in the UK on MTV2 in 2005. Now, inspired by your statistics last week, Nick, for the most played songs live, I decided to introduce a new element to information action ratio. Well, that's a mouthful, isn't it, for Alex to sing all the time? He does well there. Uh, um, <laughs> with, with the help of a fantastic website called Guest Spectacular, I can tell you, Fake Tales of San Francisco is their 19th most played live song. This song was played in 260 out of 894 shows with a probability of 29.08% chance of listening to it live. Although I would say currently you've got a pretty much 0% chance of, of listening to it live um, going against the statistics there, unless maybe you were at a Glastonbury or something. It's a Glastonbury special. Uh, it was first debuted at the Arundel on October 8th, 2004. And the last play was in Rome at the Ippodromo del Capanel on July 10th, 2013. Uh, the track was sampled in the song Kick Me Out by Styles of Beyond, who are an American underground hip-hop group from the San Fernando Valley of Los Angeles, California. The group consists of MCs Ryan Patrick McGinn, Ryu, Tak Beer Bashir, Tak, Colton Raisin Fisher, or DJ Cheapshot, as he's known to his mom, presumably, and producer Jason Rabinowitz, or Vin Scully, as is his want. And we can hear a little clip of that now, I believe. You can indeed. I don't want to hear you kick me out, kick me out. I don't want to hear you know, kick me out, kick me out. I don't want to hear you kick me out, kick me out. I don't want to hear you. I don't want to hear you. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, what you got in your hand? Looks like that little old number seven brand. Yep, yep. That Jack's what I like, sip, sipping on back, black, now want to fight. Oh, I don't know why, but now I'm getting pissed and I'm staring at a clown and I'm balling. I have to say, I've been listening to that track since I discovered it in the research and um, I'm a big, big fan. I really enjoyed it, but more on that later. Now, this takes me to the part of the show where I ask Nick to guess how many um, tr- uh, physical copies of this song were sold. And bear in mind that it's actually five minutes of Arctic Monkeys that 
that was sold, which obviously also included from the Ritz to the Rubble, I believe, um, that was sold. And also, when I said earlier that only 2,000 vinyls were pressed, don't think that that's the maximum amount that was available because there was physical CDs and things as well. So just to make sure you've got all the facts before you make your educated guess. <laughs> I said I want oh. you to embarrass yourself. But yeah, that, that's this is our round that I believe is called. You could say they're selling like ghost cookies. Yes. Oh, I'd never tire of that jingle. Never tire of that. I, I just, never, I just, I'm the lucky. I just packed it into the house sorry, with smart speaker. Just constantly, it's on with Mars, but you can just, just, just non-stop, can't, can't, get, can't get sick of that. Well, to give people um, a bit of background, we retroactively created this round because we, we really wanted to use that as a jingle. So we had to think, how, how could we do it? And then I had a brainwave one day. and was like, we can use it for this. Um, but we only get to use it, obviously, for songs that were released, which I wasn't expecting with Fake Tales, but obviously it was, um, I remembered. So, so yeah, Nick, come on, what's your, um, what's your guess of how many they sold in the United Kingdom? course before i get to guessing i've just realized we're not going to get to use that jingle for another eight weeks yeah i've got in my notes here we won't be able to do that again for about two months (laughs) oh no yeah very upsetting right so so how how many uh vinyl copies were there of five minutes without it monkeys of the vinyl there were two thousand available pressed right so in total then i'm gonna go for because I, I, I wouldn't imagine, well, given how long I've been hunting for even a CD copy of Five Minutes of Arctic Monkeys, I still don't think the number is going to be massive. I don't think we'll be uh, going past a million a million like we did last week with, I bet you look on a dance floor. So with that in mind, I'm, I'm going to say about 17,500. The actual answer is, are you ready? It was 200,000 copies were sold of, um, of this, making it silver on the um, whatever you call it. <laughs> so so yeah. that, that means there's 198,000 CDs out there. <laughs> Where are you all? Yeah. Somebody's, some people. People are glad to be having you. People, thank God we haven't got a clip of that. And um, people will be, um, people will be hoarding them probably to sell one day for millions of pounds. They're probably worth yeah. quite a bit now, to be fair. But uh, I mean, imagine having the vinyl. I did actually, there was a website that was advertising. They had the vinyl. And I got all excited. It was 80 quid. And then uh, that was about 10 years ago. And they just haven't taken the listing off. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. No. but yeah, it's 200,000 um, sold. Amazing. Um, so yeah, I know. Incredible. But uh, now this takes me to our segment of the show where I'll um, delve into some reviews. Sorry. In 2006, music journalist Simon Reddles wrote of Alex Turner for Blender. His lyrics coupled the invincible confidence of youth with a sense of pathos and fatalism of someone older, wiser and sadder. Anthony Strutt from Penny Black Music reviewed Five Minutes of Arctic Monkeys on the 17th of May. 2005 stating Arctic Monkeys hail from Sheffield and have just been in a bidding war which Domino have won. Five Minutes is their debut and appears on 7-inch and CDS, both of which have sold out in pre-sales and within hours of being in the indie shops. Fake Tales of San Francisco, the opening track, is perky and punky with every instrument having its say and all played with streetwise attitude. It's very refreshing and eye-opening in a world in which there's so many indie bands sound very familiar. Imagine the Libertines if they could just get on. 
the track inspired a song called Can't Hold Back You. Uh, sorry, Can't Hold Back by You Me at Six. Singer Josh Franceschi told Kerrang. Alex Turner has always been really good at setting scenes with his lyrics, and I was kind of trying to do something similar here. So, yeah, I did listen to it. Didn't see any um, cause to clip it up or, or talk about it, to be honest. I was, was going to say, you, you just threw that upon me there. Like, we, all week we talk about what clips you need, and, and at no point did that get mentioned. So I was kind of saying. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Okay. I wasn't worried, mate. You know. <laughs> just don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, so that brings us on to just sort of chatting about the song. We usually start with the music, but if you'll allow me, I would like to address an elephant in the room straight away. I just wanted to address that a lot of people now um, mock them for this song because of the the lyrics are obviously about telling off British bands or you know local lads for not being authentic and trying to sound American. And then, as we know, Arctic Monkeys then progressed and moved to LA, and uh, Alex adopted a kind of pseudo American accent for a while, and they kind of had all this you know stuff going on over across the pond. But I think to to throw this song at them as some kind of um, argument you know having a go at them is it's a ridiculous point really because for several reasons one of which is they were like what about 17 18 when they wrote this song so and they were living in sheffield practicing in bands all the time going out gigging and just a very similar different attitude if you if you think as a person if i think back to things that i thought or said when i was um you know 15 years ago they would be I'd be embarrassed by some of that attitude that, you know, I used to be ready to have a fight with someone that said Arctic Monkeys weren't good <laughs> about 15 years ago. I get really annoyed, whereas now I'm just like, nah, it's all right. You know, I don't care. <laughs> you like what you like. But um, it's it's to throw that at them now when they've they've grown and changed. And they've also had the life that they've had, which is vastly the experiences they must have had that you, like we can't even imagine. So it would have changed them as people. But even that aside as an argument, I just think it's 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 also not really... He's not when they go over to America and they're working with Queens of the Stone Age members and and living in LA and that they're allowed to have a bit of American influence in there because they are living that life. If he's singing about people who are literally just live in Sheffield and they're eighteen and that's all they've ever known and they're they're putting on a pseudo American accent and singing about it, it's 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 a non for me it's a non point is all I'll say. But I wanted to address it because I know it gets thrown about a lot. I would agree wholeheartedly with with your your rebuttal of said point. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, that that was down on my notes to say exactly that. So I can just I don't cross, think I don't cross think, off the one yeah. thing I prepared. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, there is another thing that we're going to get to in a bit that you'll that you'll get to have your fun with. The it's yeah. I mean, I'm sure nobody listening to this has that opinion, but I thought I'd uh, just thought I'd bring it up anyway. Um, but yeah, on the on the actual music of this track, um, I actually thought it was kind of fairly scar when I when I was listening to it. Yes. I, I, yeah, very very scar sound. Which what I also thought was that more than any of the other, maybe not any of the other songs. We'll probably discover it as we go again. But that it sounds really youthful in the way they play this, like the, the way that it comes at the verses and then the fast, even the fast bit when it kind of goes a bit, you know, faster and heavier when it kicks in, it's, it's just got this kind of youthful sound to it with the way that it's done. Like you'd never hear this song. Someone that doesn't know anything about them would never hear this song and think that someone over the age of like 19 had performed it, <laughs> you know, or, or you know, had written it. Um, and that's what I think makes so much of it so great is that it's just got that, youthfulness to it that rawness that you can that only youth can harness 
<laughs> I already got, I, I got one in early today. <laughs> you, you were the first one to get one in this week. I, I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, and that, that's why it fits so well on Beneath the Boardwalk, which, of course, we talked about a few weeks ago, because that was one of the one of the themes mm. that we picked up on a lot, was that this, a lot of the songs on Beneath the Boardwalk could only be done by bands that had just recently learned to play their instruments. So musically, a lot of it is very basic and rudimentary. And I think I think this is one of the songs that displays that the best out of all of them. Good word, rudimentary. Well done. I was impressed by that. Had a little raise of my eyebrow. Um, I learned I learned that yeah. from a Libertine song, mate. <laughs> well, we've all learned our vocabulary from Arctic Monkeys and Libertines and elsewhere. Um, but yeah, that um, that uh, yeah, no, it's just it's just so palpable in this one more than even the others. I think, even though dance floor has that. Kind of energy to it this one just sounds even more young and like yeah it's just like it's crazy how much they capture that um good for jim abyss to capture that in a professional barney. recording studio environment as well um and to be able to get that across is, is good yeah and barney <laughs> well someone's got to mix it i know in owen davies oh i can't remember if that was that his name i've said it i haven't got it to hand but i'm gonna go with owen davies mixing assistant <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, he's already been addressed more times than was warranted on this podcast, so he shouldn't moan. <laughs> that uh, the the kick me out bit, you know, when it breaks down into that is so. Um, a lot of the song that I thought listening back to it was that I didn't used to think maybe that maybe because I'm a bit older. I don't know that it's so aggressive. It's such an aggressive song. You know, we've talked about more about him being quite snarky and stuff, but this song's really aggressive, like all over. Like it's even though that bit. It's a slow, gentle bit where they're doing the kick me out. It's still really aggressive because of the lyrics and the way that they're doing it. Great bit of bass there as well to give Andy his Andy Nicholson his uh, his juice. Yeah, great little bit of like that little in between bit where he does it. Yeah, I love it when he does those little bass moments in in this album. But yeah, no, it's it, the thing with the. The kind of the aggressiveness as well is is when it um when it changes to the the fast bit you really do you really do get this this build up in the song like this build up to that even though it's kind of like snacky chorus is slower bit but still aggressive snacky chorus slow bit it's just building and building and building like I, I actually was thinking that this song is very much structured like musically and lyrically but um, we'll get to that, but musically, like an argument, like like you know what it, it gives me really, the, all of it gives me the impression of like you know when someone's really pissing you off over time. But Alex is seeing all these bands and all these people that are really annoying him, and he's seeing them every night when they go gigging, and it's building up and it's and you know that thing when someone's building up and then eventually you just snap. That's the kind of vibe I got from the song, and then it snaps and it kicks in, and it's it's this amazing, amazing moment, and the, you know the drums are in, incredible as well in that that fast bit. Um, I really love what he's doing with the drums. Very hip hoppy, actually. And I think to go back to the um, what were they, what were they called? The hip hop group. Kick me out, boys. Kick, kick me out. Kick me out by Styles of Beyond. That was it. Um, that um, the reason why it works so well for them to take that into a hip hop vibe is because of those hip hop influences coming through. So it just fits so well in a song like that because it's so rooted and influenced and embedded by already in there that you don't even realize in some of them, like there's some songs that, you know, are very hip hop influenced by them. But in this one, it's not one that you would noticeably go, Oh, it's quite hip hoppy. But then when you listen to the drums, particularly you go, Oh yeah. Yeah. And do you ever wonder as well with like, if, if Helders wasn't the drummer that he was, that they knew 
which I know is a redundant question because we, you know, they're all um, make the band. But how, what drums would any other drummers do to this, like from scratch? Like, do some of these like rhythms and some of the way that they're doing it, it feels like you needed someone with a hip hop influence for it to work. That's something I've thought about quite a lot over the years. Is is how another drummer would fit. So say say if if album number one it hadn't been Andy the bass player who'd left and moved on, if it had been Helders who'd moved on, you you just it mm. kind of gets you to the point of thinking, well, it it wouldn't it wouldn't be the, the same. Because as as good as Andy was as well, Nick kind of took them onto a new level bass wise, I think. But with yeah. with Helders, it, it songs like this just really show how vital he is to the sound. Yeah, you don't. He, he doesn't. Um, like we think we've said it before that he, you don't feel like sometimes he gets the credit, but he really because people reference Alex being like you couldn't have had Atom because you've got Alex, or you couldn't have had Atom because you've got any of them. But he was. But Helders is just as vital. You know, think of any of the songs like without him in there, um, particularly even. You know, it's something that we'll get to, but even like later albums that are a bit more divisive. Let's say the last album. You like some of the rhythms in that. I don't know that some drummers would even know what to do <laughs> to it but um but yeah no he's he's amazing and i think in this song it's it's that hip hoppy coming in but i do love it when it goes fast um that's just such a, a moment in a song isn't it because it's a fairly short song as well and you and you think there isn't yeah. room for, for for all this to happen and then when it does when it does crescendo towards the fast part towards the end it's like this this amazing payoff. It's like when you've watched like eight series of a TV show, and then you get this amazing <laughs> like battle scene payoff at the end. It reminds me of that in a in a sort of weird way. It's just like like you're being rewarded for listening. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it felt like such a. It, again, it goes back to them them capturing that youthfulness in it. Is is when we were young and this song was out. You just more when you think back to it, you so like got it. You so got what this song was trying to do, and and you just it just felt like a like a right fit. The energy was just perfect for a young person, you know, listening in. Now when I listen, I just kind of it's maybe a bit different, but nostalgically, I still remember how that felt. But yeah, what a great energy! And I, I think it, it's so it's an odd song as well. When you do you remember when we were talking about um, on the uh, beneath the boardwalk, the second podcast? Um, go back and listen. You didn't listen. The uh, waving by to the train or the bus, and we said it doesn't sound like them as much as the other songs because it's got the kind of scar influence in it a lot. Well, this this the 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 breakdowns in the end, you know, the kind of oh, what's what the rhythms doing during the verses as well. The that's the scar bit and the drums and the bass like reminded me of that song. I feel like a bit of that was seeping into this song. And but when you think about that in the type of song that this is, it's got it's weird. To, to think of putting that together to go, we're going to put this over this snarky guitar riff. And then we're going to end the song with that. After all this huge, big moment, we're just going to have the song sort of go out in this really. And they do that quite, they do that a few times, actually, I think. I think in the context of the whole album as well, I think it's quite a common opinion that Riot Van is the song that kind of doesn't fit with the rest. But I think it's this. Oh, really? Ooh. I think you just. I think you just slammed a hot take on us there. Oh, well, I bet I best, uh, retroactively play the jingle then, don't I? She flicks a red hot revelation off the tip of her toe. Yeah, I That's just... the beauty of a hot take is that it could come at any time and we don't yeah, even yeah. know when it's coming. 
Yeah, unexpected. We need, we need a separate jingle for unexpected hot take. I didn't know that was coming. It, I just kind of <laughs> channeled it. I, I blacked out for a minute, and then next thing you know, I was just talking <laughs> utter, utter, utter rubbish that probably no one agrees. With. But I, I do think in the you can't say that I anymore. Listen to the. I've been listening to the <laughs> album like a few a few times through. I think it it, it does it is kind of not in a bad way, but it, it is kind of jarring. But then you get to favorite worst nightmare and Teddy Picker. Fake Tales and Teddy Picker could almost be brothers for me. It's yes, very similar, like, um, that kind of funky scar kind of thing. But yeah, I, I think in, term, in terms of the whole of whatever people say, I'm, say I'm, that's what I'm not. I, th- I think it does kind of stand out a little bit. Obviously, Riot Van does as well, as we said. But yeah, I, I do think the same could be said for Fake Tales, which is some, something I've never noticed until the past couple of weeks. Well, I'd never know or heard of the people thinking that Ryan Van doesn't fit, and I actually... Um... Would we can talk about that in a few weeks? But I would oppose that as well. Um, not fitting because I, I think it does. They are like they are. It's just a thing, isn't it? They always have a slow one on each album, don't they? That's slower than the rest. That's something they've always done. But um, well, the thing is, when uh, it being the first album, you, you didn't know to expect a slow song. That's no, no. And I think I think Right Van's a really interesting song for several reasons yeah. that we will obviously get to in um, you know particularly talking about perhaps things now in present day Arctic Monkeys land is, but that's a good, that's a good five weeks away, Nick, I think. So, um, but yeah, uh, but no, really interesting hot take. And I, I have to say that you're probably right because although the, the fast sort of bit and stuff like that does fit, you're quite right. The way the song's structured is, is probably more akin to the beneath the boardwalk stuff that didn't fit to make it into a b-side or an album isn't it but it is a fucking great song so it had to be on the album obviously so it's it's kind of a mix of things isn't it it's just it's better than them we're not saying there it's a, i'm not saying for any it's on the same level of like space invaders but i know what you're trying to say that it's it's got a more akin of, of experimental that's probably the word it's a bit more experimental yeah. than the other songs on this album i'd say although actually there is one other song that is very experimental on this album that we'll we'll get to when we get there that perhaps I've always felt doesn't necessarily fit on this. So that can be my hot take at the time. But yeah, no, I, I think there's um I think there's something in that. And if anybody would like to send us any feedback on that hot take, what would they uh what would they send that on? Write it on a little square. In fact, write it on the back of your CD copy. Put it on a post-it note. Stick it on the back of your CD copy of Five Minutes with Arctic Monkeys and send it to us. <laughs> Don't believe the hype towers. No, all, yeah. all of our links are available. If it's a vinyl, you'll definitely get rid of Yeah, 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 without a doubt. Yeah. If it's a vinyl, just throw it like they're doing Sean and the Dead and it'll find its way to <laughs> Tell us. it to a pigeon. No, go, go. That's Northern. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Go go on the episode description on your po- on your podcast player of choice, and you will find our link tree there, which has all the links to get in touch with us. Uh, and alternatively, you can email us, as a lot of people have, at arcticmonkeyspodcast yep. at gmail dot com. And it it really is much appreciated. We've had some good correspondence with people, haven't you, Dan? Have yeah, I've had some lovely correspondence with people from all around the world, which is fantastic. Um, I never thought somebody from um, South America would be able to part with our Northern accents, to be honest. But um, I suppose if they're an Arctic Monkeys fan, they're predisposed to a Northern accent, aren't they? So should have um, seen that coming, really. But yeah, well, no. That always makes say, me laugh the... when you see like when, when you see like uh, these American and Canadian girls. Like, oh my God, I love the British accent. And you think of like <laughs> Prince William and stuff like that. No, no, yeah. <laughs> this, this is a British <laughs> accent, folks. This is how it is. 
<laughs> Briefly off topic, but I did um, read once a Vice article about these lads who, <sighs> this sounds taught awful, but there is a reason I'm telling it. They used to go to America together. They were like 18, 19, and they'd fly to these small towns in America, like really small towns in America, you know, where everything's like, you know, like a little English village, I suppose. But everything's like around the football team and all that, and they they would go and they would just sleep with as many girls as they can because the girls would just love the fact that they're English um, from this small town. They never there was I think they made the news when they visited there because no one had ever visited there from like another country, <laughs> and they they actually pretended they were Arctic Monkeys at one point to so American girl, and she was like, oh my god, on Spotify you've got like eighty million followers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a mad. I mean, just despicable in so many ways, but um, it was funny that they used Arctic Monkeys as a, <laughs> as yeah, a sort yeah, of yeah. front. Uh, these girls were just oblivious to who Arctic Monkeys were at the, at the time, so it worked. But yeah, maybe, um... <laughs> the guy out of, maybe if the English guy out of Love Actually who goes to America, maybe if he'd pretended to be in Arctic Monkeys, he he'd have had like group sex with more than five women. You know, if, imagine, well, imagine what his weekend would have been on like. The planet, yeah. <laughs> yeah, imagine. imagine what his weekend really would have been like if he pretended to be one of Arctic Monkeys. Mental. <laughs> he really pulled the short straw, didn't he? Um, we, yeah, if I think that's that article addressed that that's where they got the idea for that to do that. Actually, yeah. these guys. But yes, um, where were we? Let's get back to the song. Really, which probably, I mean, musically, yeah, I think that's a really interesting take, and I would like to hear from people on that. Um, on our emails, by the way, I should just say that the um, Americans are, are winning in terms of email correspondence at the minute. So if you Brits want to have some um, some fight in your belly and come and email us because they're they're winning, they're winning. Coming out here, we need some love yeah. from the Brits. Um, but yeah, that yeah, I think I think musically, it's it's just this really yeah, like I say, youthful, vibrant song. It's fun to listen to. But I think the real, I think what we really want to get into on this track are the the meat and bones of the lyrics, aren't we? Because I think there's probably something to be said on every single line in this song. <laughs> Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, we could just we could just go straight from the top and discuss this, but not before playing the jingle that corresponds to this point of the show. I hasten to add. <laughs> Too busy with the mind on clever lines. Well, we would normally play that before we said our favourite lyric, but but I like that we're doing it now before we discuss the lyrics because it means we get to use it again when we talk about our favourite lyrics and any excuse really to do that. Um, I can see what you did there. You did that on purpose. But um, yeah, so should we just get into my embarrassing admission before we get into anything else? Just get it out of the way. I must clear up, listeners, <laughs> that this has been... I, as as much as doing this show is the most fun thing you can do with your trousers on, this is just this, this re- really made really made my whole week. It really did. Didn't know we were wearing trousers. Um, no, uh, it's embarrassing. That's more embarrassing. Not as embarrassing as this though. So I'll tell the story as it was. So I was um, settling. Uh, sort of doing my notes, settling <laughs> where that came from. I've got all nervous because how embarrassing it is. I was doing my notes and I was listening to the song and I and I, I thought I'd stumbled into a hot take. I thought, oh, wow, I didn't have a, a hot take prepared. This this could be a hot take. And there's a line in a song and where Alex says, all the weekend rock stars are in the toilets practicing their lines. And in the video, when I was, I was looking at the original video for this, it does a brief shot of a girl in a cubicle. And I, I thought in my head, oh, wow. It, that makes me think of somebody doing keys of cocaine in a toilet cubicle. Maybe that line's a drug reference. Maybe it's got a double meaning. So I wrote that as a hot take. And then through conversation with Nick, I discovered I got an inkling from something he said that that <laughs> perhaps he knew that of this 
amazing thing that I discovered. So I said to him, hang on. And Nick couldn't stop laughing for the better part of half an hour because obviously now I know that that's a really obvious drug reference they have in the song. And I just never, ever, ever clocked it. I'd just taken it at face value that the song's about, um, you know, weekend rock stars, these part-time guys that, and they go in there in the cubicle practicing their lines. And it never clicked in my head that this was a drug reference until a few days ago, after nearly 20 years of listening to this song. And yeah, I'm ashamed and appalled at myself. <laughs> it's, 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 it's all right. I mean, I, I'm ashamed and appalled at myself on a daily basis. Like, and that's got nothing. Well, yeah, but I already so. am that. This is a no, This is this is extra. This is like an extra shame. I already had that anyway. This is like the yeah. This is the bonus round. Oh, but uh, <laughs> you wish you had that clipped up now, don't you? But yeah, um. So <laughs> but the yeah but you know what what i'm gonna put it down to before people laugh me out of the room there might be other people that don't know that that don't know that is that when this song came out 20 years ago i was maybe a bit more innocent and this kind of stuff wasn't on my radar and then in the in later years where let's just say that um i do have more experience of the world <laughs> um right, so i now get that <laughs> i get um i do get the reference now and i think yeah, it's a really obvious reference. But but what was funny to me about this scenario was, and I'm not afraid to say it, is that it's not the fact that I didn't know it because that's just it was just something I'd never caught on to. Fair enough. It was the fact that I so arrogantly thought that I was such a big Arctic Monkeys fan and I'm I'm the I'm the biggest Arctic Monkeys fan, so I must know everything. So if I discovered that this was a drug reference, this must be the first time that everyone's discovering this is a drug reference and I wrote it as a hot take. That's what's embarrassing. My own arrogance to assume that it was my idea and I've been the first person in the world to think of this and I was gonna I was gonna just say it on the podcast and there was going to be messages of adoration and parades for me. It's just embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> i was really excited to share that and it was a hot take i mean there is there is a world where we didn't discover it before and i said it as a hot take and then got very embarrassed as you lost it. <laughs> oh, oh god I, I know what you're thinking dear listeners yeah I, I do wish me and Dan didn't speak during the week and he'd just come and presented this so we could have that 10 minutes of silence where I just laugh. <laughs> <laughs> 10 well, minutes. well, well we, we, we don't talk about anything we're going to talk about on the podcast during the week because we want to keep it fresh unless like we need something clipping up. It was just by chance that you said something. Um, it was the clip. It was the clip that you play. If you could play it again, maybe. And it's the clip where... So now that we've said that, actually, we could replay the clip from the beginning because... Um, so in this, obviously, he says that line in this live performance and obviously somebody in the audience must let on maybe do a like a key or something um to a nostril <laughs> um and they the key to a nostril sounds like a nice little kid's story but it's not um <laughs> it's definitely not but uh yeah he, they do a reference and alex references that this guy's referenced it as you can watch it <laughs> Very clever. 
Very clever. Um, yeah, he gets it. That's what he says. So, so Nick showed me that, and I and I and I realized, and then I got scared that this wasn't this was some other people know, and that's why I suggested it because I didn't want there to be a situation where I said it as a hot take. But you know what, guys, I'm I'm not infallible, and I uh, at least I brought it up. I could have been a diva and been like, no, we're not. Rep. We're just going to pretend that I knew that all along, so that I'm not embarrassed in front of all of our listeners. And maybe after you know f- five to ten more weeks of us getting you know, nearly a thousand listeners or more, I will be. And I'll be demanding like yellow M&Ms only in my dressing room before we come on. Yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, like Mariah, but um... in, in terms of you, in terms of you feeling a bit stupid about it and still like admitting mm. it and speaking up, there's, there's a very, there's a very hidden, but very strong message about the importance of discussing mental health in there. But I'm fucked if I can find it. <laughs> I thought you were going to say about the somewhere. importance of not doing drugs, kids, or something. Then, um, no, no, but, uh, no, 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 no. Because um, I didn't get this song when I, I'd never done drugs, so I needed the drugs to discover it. So, what would you rather have? No, but silver lining, the silver lining of this, this is a silver lining. Um, I'm raising your eyelid. Is the silver lining? I need to get that alarm know. ready, don't I? <laughs> yeah definitely um is the is the now i get to i never thought i could look at a, a lyric or an, an old song from the first album in a new light and now i get to listen to it knowing that that's that reference and enjoy it from a different angle again so i'm very pleased that i get that experience which is so there is that from it that's that's my take from it is what i'm gonna say yeah, but let's move on we've all had a good <laughs> laugh as well so everyone's winning. yeah i'm glad i'm sure I get this, but there's going to be a, a portion of people who have never thought about it and are like, oh, right, okay. And there's a portion of people that are like, oh, God, yeah, I'm surprised. And there's going to be a load of, I know the, the audience members that are going to be like, Jesus, how, and they're going to be laughing along with us. I know exactly the type of person that's going to be. And yeah, fair play, I deserve it. But um, but yeah, good. It's good. It was good. Um, So yes, obviously that line is a drug reference, a really obvious drug reference. Um, and the fact that I'd seen that video many times and never wondered what he says he gets it about is even weirder. But yeah, one of those, uh, I'm going to, you know, it's brain fart. One of those brain farts that you just don't um, ever think of someone. But in terms of other lyrics in this great song, you know, the actual title. So the title and obviously what is the first line of the verses, Fake Tales of San Francisco. When you look at that, he's obviously writing a song about people who sing or act or write lyrics as if they're from the US because of their influences. But what a great Shocker. line it is. <laughs> Sorry, I've got a bad cough. Yeah, so COVID, is it? <laughs> but um, no, um, yeah, I feel, you know, what? as I'm saying these now, as I'm saying this, making this insightful point, I've got in my head like, You've you've got nothing now. You've got you've lost everyone because you didn't know what that reference was. Like no one. You've you've lost lost everyone's respect. (laughs) They've lost all credibility now. Um, But yeah, no, that that line is trying to get across. But what a great line it is. (laughs) Luckily, next week we're getting rid of you because of that, and I'm going to be joined by Barney. So Uh, I made him what he is as well. I brought him onto this podcast. (laughs) I didn't have to reference him. (laughs) I'll be his mixing assistant. (laughs) <laughs> assistant to the eviction assistant <laughs> yeah bloody hell bloody barney or simon barney barnacott as he's known <sighs> scum no i'm, I'm joking um but <laughs> 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 we we brought barney to this limelight 
and now we're slagging him off because of a fictional world where you're dumping me off the podcast and replacing me with him. Well, we're taking this guy through the ringer, aren't we? He doesn't even know, probably. <laughs> I really hope he gets in touch with us at some point because he's listening. <laughs> I should try and find out what other albums he's worked on, actually. Probably none. Shit house. No, I'm joking. No, it's not slagging him off. Now. <laughs> um no but yeah let's get back to my point yeah i'll show the listeners uh, (laughs) want to get back to the analytical points but yeah no what a great line it is to encapsulate that concept of of writing about those people like it's like a title it reminds me when i was reflecting on it it's the title that like a wordsmith or a 19th century author or a poet might write of a book of tales or something you know fake tales of san francisco or something you um you're rarely thinking about what a great constructed sentence that is to put across what he's talking about you know this he's got this concept to this person that's in us influenced which is funny because that's how he was originally but but obviously he's more talking about the, the people on stage that are you know not living it or being fake or whatever but what a great it's just a great line to encapsulate that then you rarely think about that i think yeah absolutely it's it kind of passes you by just because it's the title of the song but, but yeah. yeah when when you kind of like really I, I just can't take any of this seriously now i'm, I'm, I'm done <laughs> I've, I've got nothing left after that after that last 10 15 minutes i'm just putting it empty now <laughs> god bless us every single one of us Oh, yeah, I, I agree, mate. I agree. I, yeah, yeah. This is just going to be a monologue yeah. from me about the lyrics now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, that, well, um... look, luckily, I'm going to embarrass myself as we get on into the lyrics. So that's something to look forward oh, really? to. Yeah, oh, really? Yeah, I'm very yeah. interested. I'm very excited about that. Yeah. But um, you remember as well what I was thinking with the, you know, one of the reviews that I read earlier, it was the sort of uh, a sense of pathos and fatalism of someone older, wiser, and sadder, which I think is very accurate to Alex, particularly in this song. You know, that very notion is captured probably in, in what it's not, I'm not going to, I'm not purposely not using it as my favorite line of the song, even though it probably is, I'm picking a different one, but this is what probably we could probably agree is probably the best line of the song is maybe the best line of this album. I'd even as go as far to say, which could be a hot take, but his, his bird said it's amazing though. So all that's left is the proof that love's not only blind, but deaf. What an incredible witty a powerful line that is i remember the first time i heard that line and i was just blown away as someone that's kind of into poetry and stuff as well like just can't even put into words even now 20 years later how good a line that, if you wrote that line you would be even impressed with yourself even alex might have took a moment to be impressed with himself like you know to, to take uh, a well-known saying that love's blind a saying that we all know um and then to put it in the context of a, of a girl that's saying you know that she's there she said it's good because she's his girlfriend and he's trying to get across that she's just saying it's good because she's his girlfriend and then because she loves him and then to flip it as not only blind but deaf it's just yeah maybe one of my favorite alex lines ever to be honest just as a as a as a just as a powerfully witty line and i think it it kind of takes on it becomes even more powerful for me the fact that everything stops at that point it, it kind of stops for mm. a second before go, before going into the massive like the song breakout. knows it's like yeah. it's like the it's song knows seconds, what, a good, like what a good line it is yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah yeah it's it's really yeah. really cool yeah it's and we've all been in that situation right as well we've all kind of been in that situation where you'll you'll have a mate who who will start liking stuff that you know he doesn't like he will he will start 
Mm. He will start pretending yeah. to like things just because he wants to impress a girl. It's such a, I mean, it's a common theme on the album, like the, the whole like meeting girls and everything. But it's it's just so on point that ev- everyone must surely have grown up at that age and well, been in that situation. <laughs> I don't know if you know, we've got personal experience of this in that when we were in our terrible band that we've referenced several times before. And, and actually, it'd be interesting when I tell this story, if anybody that potentially ever saw us live <laughs> back in the day could get in touch with us we were called the 2511s 2511s well do you remember there was a time when when we were doing a gig at a bar in manchester that doesn't exist anymore called dry bar and we inadvertently became the headliners i think because somebody else pulled out so we were already poor poorly rehearsed poorly written dreadful uh, uh being in a band i was the singer as you know from my various bouts of singing in this podcast i can't sing i just did it because nobody else would dreadful uh, tone deaf you might say and we we people it was headlining it was a saturday night so big night this is so bad this story and we got on stage and it was a really buzzing atmosphere in the half an hour from when we started to the end and i actually stand by this as i'm impressed i'm still i take this as a as a as a note of something great that i did we cleared the entire room of people there was yeah. about 40 50 people in there and by the time we stopped playing the only two people left were two of the band members' girlfriends. <laughs> so maybe that should maybe that's an imperfect encapsulation of this line. <laughs> Is that well, they stayed. I mean, well, At least they stayed. We should have got we should have got like commission from the nightclubs of Manchester who got like 50 new <laughs> customers very, very early that evening. We, they should have put us on at like we should have got paid extra money to go on at like uh half two just before it shuts just to clear out the place before they have yeah, to close yeah. the doors, you know. Part that's been, that last you've not orders. mentioned about that story was that we, we had to get there to load in at sound and sound check at uh, 5 30 yes, pm very important and yes got very 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 i think i was sick about three times i mean i was i was pretty nervous anyway <laughs> so i would have been sick anyway but after after about 12 bottles of copperberg in the space of three hours it was just yeah yeah oh yeah I hope history doesn't Happy repeat days. itself when we start we start clearing out listeners from this podcast as we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, but we, <laughs> but we, um, yeah, no, that is very important because we were already poorly rehearsed and, and rubbish anyway. And then you had five hours of drinking out of nerves and doing shots and all sorts. Then, yeah, it was a I dread to fit. I'd love to be able to go, but I wish someone had recorded that and I could go back and watch how, how bad it is because we were dreadful anyway. But hey ho. It was a laugh. We really tried, and I was at the time I was annoyed, but now I can look back and laugh at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I was just like, how many, many room, how many rooms? How many rooms have you cleared? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how many people can say they've headlined Night and Day, which is like a seminal venue in the Manchester music scene? Not many people can say that. Well, that was this was Dry Bar. The Night and Day gig actually went all right because we cracked out our. Oh, cover sorry, of, it was um, it was Dry Bar. We, cra- we cracked out. Yeah. We we cracked out our cover of Let Me Entertain You by Robbie Williams at Night and Day, and it went quite down quite well. Possibly one of the greatest covers of all time. Up there with Hurt. It was actually the one. (laughs) I think we can all say. (laughs) It was a great, that was the one thing that we did well, I think, because I was singing someone else. I could sing a little bit and we did a good cover of it, I think. I think. I don't know. Uh, But anyway, back back to a good band. For for those listeners who are into the Manchester music scene, uh, Dry Bar was the nightclub where famously uh, Sean Mm. Ryder fired a gun (laughs) at Tony Wilson. (laughs) That, 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 that happened in Dry Bar, yeah. Um, but since, since you've mentioned that gig at Dry Bar, it, it kind of links in nicely to my little embarrassing 
thing that links in with these lyrics. Because we, we're not just going to bring you down tonight, Dan. I, I'm going to take myself down a peg or two as well. So there's the, the lyric. Um, there's a there's a super cool band yeah with the trilbies and the glasses of white wine, which is clearly t- <laughs> taking aim at people who ch- reminds change. me of someone. Yeah, you, you know what's it coming, man. Of you know from twenty years ago, yeah. <laughs> it's um, cl- taking aim at people who li- listen to the Libertines and watch the Libertines and thought, yeah, I'm going to change the way I dress. Now, listeners. You won't be able to see this right now, but we will post it on our social media. Dan, I'm going to hold a picture up to the camera just to <laughs> illustrate just to illustrate this limit. I think I remember this picture. Look at that knobhead there. Wow, yeah, yeah. that is that is there. We'll, we'll definitely knob. post that. <laughs> that is there's a few pictures of us that we could post that people might like. Um, from there's one from a, that maybe we'll talk about one day. A, a Harry Potter related evening um that's all i'll say <laughs> maybe we'll talk about that one day but um but yeah no it's that yeah and you you did used to dress like that that is funny and you also there's another Arctic monkey song that references a way that you used to dress as well um further down the line that, that we'll talk about then but it was a time and a place wasn't it it was a time and a place yeah it's it, you know like i was saying before about the um the kind of the song being like an argument again it, it's so sneering and mocking I know we were talking about his attitude in it before, but this one, more than any other, there's an attitude. Like, <laughs> he sounds like this is something that's really been pissing him off for a while, and this is just his way of ranting about it as he's gone on. You know, and and as well, so the actual, the, the line, all the weekend rock stars are in thoughts practicing their lines, obviously now we know it's a drug reference, as everyone else did. But the, the actual literal other, I think it's got two, the other actual literal meaning of that, um, I think comes from, you know, the weekend rock stars comes from their commitment to the cause. So at the time before they, they kind of made it, um, I know that Alex was um, supposed to go to Manchester University, which would have been interesting. Um, and not that we would have known him, but I might have. I might have gone to Manchester Union. And he told his parents, give me a year, basically. He was like, take a year off before I go to uni and just see if anything comes of this band. And obviously it did. Um, so I think that kind of the weekend rock stars thing also kind of references literally just kind of part-time people that just kind of don't live it perhaps as much as they did, uh, which, you know, obviously now as an adult, you kind of go, well, people have commitments, Alex, you know, but uh, <laughs> but like looking back then, it is feel like everything's got to be do or die on it back then. When you're young, everything's like either fully commit to it or don't do it, you know, and I think that kind of gets it. But yeah, it's just, I just... It, this song is just so angry in it. I couldn't get it. And, and also sarcastic and a little bit bitchy, I've got to say. A little bit um, like when he says, if you think about the line, I don't quite know the distance, but I'm sure that's far. Yeah, I'm sure it's pretty far. If you put that in the context of like a, an argument someone might have on, on the Kardashians or something, he'd be like, hmm, I don't quite know the distance, but, but I'm sure that's far. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's pretty far, actually. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like... <laughs> click of the click of the fingers and walk away in a pair of high heels um it's a really bitchy uh bitchy line that of alex i always thought proper sarcastic proper sarcastic yeah. semi-fantastic oh he, he was on Nevermind the buzzcocks this week and it really upset me because he was a really nice guy very very upsetting yeah so we've all, we've also got the when, when you talked before about these the stuff that's kind of leveled at alex like from this song for how 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 he kind of was around the AM mm. era. 
Uh, he, he talks of San Francisco. He's from Hunter's Bar. Sorry, just just I was going to wait for you to reference it just so I could say this for our non-UK listeners. Hunter's Bar is a roundabout and former toll bar on Ecclesall Road in southwest Sheffield, England. The toll bar was active until the late 19th century. The name also attaches to the area surrounding Hunter's Bar roundabout at the intersection of Ecclesall Road, Brocco Bank, Sharrowville Road and Junction Road. Continue, Nick. Yes, <laughs> that, that, that was good information. That's the type of information that deserves a jingle Thanks. of its own and doesn't have one. Um, I, I do hope in post-production so, that you're going to put like a bit of old English like history music under it. <laughs> in post, why not? Like. Why not? Why not? <laughs> I've got nothing else to do. Um, yeah, it, it, so that that line pairs up very nicely with the "You're not from New York City, you're from Rotherham." That, that's almost a sequel to, to that line. Can if, I? If, if can I? Like. Can I interrupt again, Nick? Rotherham is a minster and market town in South Yorkshire, England. The town takes its name from the River Rother, which then merges with the River Don. The River Don then flows through the town centre. It is the main settlement of the metropolitan borough of Rotherham. <laughs> Just wanted to provide some, make sure we we got those. I've been waiting for you to say them all night so I can interrupt with those. <laughs> Providing some uh, some some local colour, uh, yeah. Uh, can, can I just, as, as someone who travels who travels a lot to watch football or soccer, as you may call it, transatlantic, uh, Rotherham is a shithole. <laughs> can I just uh, can we just, can we just get that in there? What a, what an awful awful yeah. place uh, and. Let, let, let's just say it's from balance that the place that we're from is a shithole as well, just to um, for, for balance, so we don't upset anyone. But um, and I'm sure uh, if anyone has ever listened the to this, we're sure from. They'd, they'd probably agree. The place <laughs> we're from is such a such a shithole that you can actually buy merchandise now that says Stockport isn't shit. <laughs> but Rotherham does make Stockport look not like now. L.A. Did you? Sorry, I interrupted with those. I felt the listener needed to know. I've been dying for you to say them all evening. Did you have any more to say on that? On those, I, points, I, I had nothing to else to say on that. No, being... it, it's just that those two lines. Did you not? They did. They are. You're right. Famous bit of. Do, do, did you ever hear about the famous bit of graffiti that got done in Sheffield around the time of? I think it was post AM being released, and someone did actually write, "You're not from New York <laughs> City. You're from Rotherham." I can see why people feel like that because it's. But but I just think it's a silly point, and I just think it's redundant. Really, I mean, if I could use a band like um, a good example of the bad British band called The Enemy, who were from Coventry, which is another little left down, and they had a very similar vibe to Arctic Monkeys at first. Nowhere near as good, obviously, but a similar vibe. And they, um, they, they came out and had a go at Arctic. Or the lead singer did came out and had a go at, at Arctic Monkeys, saying that they'd sold out the roots and stuff. With I think it were around maybe. Even Humbug, it might have been. I can't remember. But where are they now? Because they only started kept carrying on doing that whatever people say I am kind of vibe albums. And it, it doesn't last. It's not so because the same people that are leveling the criticism that they've become American are the same people that have been moaning, saying, How can you sing about chip shops in Rotherham when you live in LA? Do you know what I mean? It, it's <laughs> life changes. We all change and we grow, especially if you've had their experiences, bloody hell. Yeah, it's that kind of very British thing that we've discussed we've discussed previously of Mm. Kind of one of your own does really well, and then the thing to do seems to be to tear them down at every opportunity. Yeah, I, I did notice during the tranquility era that whenever I'd be reading a comments thread on Facebook or something, where it was always kind of UK people that were slagging them off, and I noticed to the credit of our listeners, the um, transatlantic, the South American. Um, listeners were always really positive and, and up for them trying something new and that so you're quite right I think it is a British mentality isn't it um, particularly after I think it was because he was a little bit playing on the the arrogant vibe for the first two albums when he gave speeches and stuff so then when he released uh, Humbug people loved to tear it down 
and then after the success of AM and his kind of speech at the Brits, they love to tear him down for tranquility then as well, or the band, because they're just waiting. They're just waiting with bated breath for, for a slip-up, as they see it, a slip-up. The rest of us don't. But but yeah, um, no, I think that is, those those two lines are very similar, um, the Robin Hutton's Bar ones, and very northern, very local, very... I think this song, you know when you reference John Cooper Clark um in the opening episode i think this is one of the songs that is really junk like the the love the love and death line and the local hunter's bar things like that going in there is very john cooper clark-esque now one you know, you know we always say about kind of moments and the the mantras that they have from this first album like so don't believe the hype being that mantra of them controlling their own image and you know we don't want to use the word brand but that kind of thing and then um, the anticipation line at the start of View from the Afternoon, again, doing that. Well, I do think, again, get off the bandwagon and put down the handbook. Um, although addressing other bands is also really this band's mantra. They weren't jumping on any bandwagons. They were putting down the handbook. It was originally, it was fresh, it was new. They weren't trying to be anybody else. They didn't care what you thought of them. And that, I think that song was really their ethos, I'd say. Yeah, because yeah, I, I think of all the... I mean, it's not that emotional, though. About- yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Let's just have a moment of silence there, folks. Um, yeah, m- mentioning the whole the whole bandwagon thing in particular. For for all the talk we've done the last few weeks of the the bands they were clearly influenced by, particularly when we were talking about Beneath the Boardwalk, you could see those influences there. But honestly, the the closest mm. the closest kind of similarity to Arctic Monkeys for me was The Streets who, brilliant, not quite in the same league as Arctic Monkeys but very good and very different type of music when, when you think about it so it just goes through once again just getting off the bandwagon and putting down the handbook they're, they're not following they're not following Oasis for example, you know of, of this this sort of thing <laughs> even though even though the, the early Arctic Monkeys anthems kind of hold a similar place for people as Oasis's stuff did, they weren't trying to copy yeah. anyone yeah no completely um they, you know they, they were never trying to be anything other than themselves at any point although I, I, it is funny though when when i watched the video and and stuff and the way and, and i watched kind of it like we didn't address it actually but when he says that we we, we when i referenced the key of the song we played a little clip from um the enemy awards 2006 where were Sugar Babes, which is a British um, girl group. And they had a great um, song called You Push the Button and We'll Do the Rest. I think it was. No, I'm joking. But, um, it was just <laughs> sugar, sugar Babes. Sugar Babes. Sugar Babes. Sugar Babes. Joke there. They, 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 covered, they covered a Betty Look Good on the dance floor at the, the Brits. Uh, sorry, at the Enemy Awards, which I which I actually went back and watched. And it's not terrible, you know. I don't hate it. It's not as bad as the Tom Jones. It's had worse. Yeah, yeah. And they... Alex comes up on stage to accept an award and he says, in his sneery uh, northern voice, he says, Sugar Babes, what about that, eh? Uh, no, very good girls. Wrong key, though. And laughs. Well, do, do you think, it's, uh, have you, having watched that back today, it, Alex it, his, it's actually Andy who says wrong um, key. Oh, it was yeah, quite a. Yeah. It's, the video is not great. I think I, I thought it was. Oh, it's Andy. Oh, well, Andy. Sorry to steal your line there, mate. Um, yeah. Well, Alex, God but, bless you. But I, <laughs> something, something that links into this though was the the first time they appeared, at, they actually went to pick up their own awards at the Brit Awards. Uh, for those unfamiliar, uh, the Brit Awards is the main UK music awards ceremony. Mm. It covers all genres, pop. You have international stuff on there. Bas- that's basically what I watch every year to kind of keep up with what's in the charts. I just watch that once a year, and then I, I kind of know who's big and who who to talk about if if the uh, need ever arises. 
but it's it's funded by the Brit the Brit School, which kind of off- offers musical education mm-hmm. to up and coming artists. I think Adele is one who went through there, Jesse J as well. And the first time Arctic Monkeys actually collected their own award there, I think, I'll have to check, but I think it's Jamie when they're picking up an award. Jamie kind of leans forward and says, hey, there they are, all the Brit school gang. Oh, we had the best time all together, didn't we? Oh, oh, they were great days. Yes, snarky. I think it might be Alex as well, but a great Jamie one is the Mercury Music Prize when they're absolutely... Um, off the trolley at the end and he keeps Jamie's out yeah. of it and he keeps saying like that journalist over there with the butching like me, myself and Irene <laughs> you just keep saying that <laughs> well we might do a video at some point where we watch all these cool all these funny interviews from back then um, and also there was many a time when they'd have the guy from We Are Scientists um, conduct their award acceptance speeches <laughs> he was like yeah. their go-to kind of guy to, to accept yeah, him when they couldn't be asked in a kind of jokey fashion yeah Oh, absolutely brilliant! Yeah, yeah, no, but you know, you know, kind of what I was saying about this being a, an argument as well. Um, when he says, uh, <laughs> "And yeah, I'd love to tell you all my problem," is so, such aggressive again. That is so, like literally in the middle of an argument, isn't it? Like, yeah, and yeah, I'd love to tell you all my problem. He's <laughs> just yeah, so yeah, yeah. angry in this song. But I, yeah, I, I'd love I to tell you all my problem. And, um... It's floating. Get it shifted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got that proper like as a northern man would say in the middle of an argument, hasn't he? Yeah. In this, but but I I, w- I went back and listened to the um, beneath the bulwark version actually, uh, which is actually the one I think that's used in that original video. Um, and the drum sounded dreadful was the first thing that I thought. Like, like there's still good drums. It wasn't Helder's fault. It was the production, obviously. You know, fair enough. That it's cheaper and worse produced because it was it was done in a recording studio somewhere. But not to diminish Alan Smythe, but it sounded like he was playing on bin lids, <laughs> and not 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 in a good way, like stomp, like in a like in a bad way, you know, <laughs> like really poor way. It was. Uh, yeah, it was awful. But um, but famously though, in that the line, so the line, um, uh, the band are fucking wank, and I'm not having a nice time. The line in the original demo is the band aren't very good, and I'm not having a nice time. So it's sort of radio friendly then. And then he changed it to, and just as a bit of slang for anyone that doesn't know, that's not from the UK. Uh, wank is obviously you'll know what wank means in the sexual sense, but in northern slang, you would say something's a wank to say that it's rubbish basically you'd say that's wank yeah if you want to know more uh, about like kind of northern british slang uh, there's a video on youtube of alex and matt kind of mm. guiding a presenter through through various yeah. slack, slack terms which is a good don't, watch don't think they're up here about it though are they um, i thought you were about to announce a new podcast then for a second <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> my swear words podcast slang yeah. yeah what i did notice in that the video the, the original video though um is that when the music kicks in there's shots of alex and i can't i can't do it justice over I'll, on the video i can but not on the podcast but he kind of shakes his head and he's going for it and he loses it and his eyes are rolling back and he's he's nodding his head and it's amazing several shots of that but also at about if anyone does want to go back and we'll, we'll post a link to it but if anyone wants to go back about two minutes 24 seconds in uh, alex holds the mic up and dances on the side of the stage in a way the way he holds the mic and struts is very reminiscent of alex as we know him now um the kind of last shadow puppets everything you've come to expect tour version of alex or or the alex that we've seen in tranquility base and and now for the car this is a very early glimpse of that 
<laughs> that man, I would say. It was, it was always we there. Were, yeah, is it in the clip that we played, actually, the video clip? Um, I can't remember. But if not, we'll, we'll clip it up, go to 2 minutes 24. I'll do a social media post about it when this episode goes out, and um, you'll be able to, you'll see it. But it's it's very much, yeah, some early glimpses of the man he will become. Um, one thing I did think when I was watching it, actually, watching Andy Nicholson perform, because obviously, uh, as we've referenced a few times now, he obviously late leaves the band after this, this album, is... I was watching him kind of perform in the way that he, the type of person that he seems to be. And do you think he was so into the band's ethos, maybe even more than any of the rest of them were, that when they did actually get famous, it's just not what he wanted. He'd rather have stayed as they were with this unsigned band, doing these gigs, band of the people, kind of. Do you think he just wanted that more still than he wanted anything else? And that's kind of where that they was... parted ways. Yeah, that's certainly my interpretation of it. And also having seen having seen interviews with him, he's he doesn't seem to bear any animosity towards the band or anything. He seems quite happy doing no. what he's doing, producing and DJing and doing various things. Still looks as though he's friendly with the band as well. We we, we don't we don't tend to get into like personal relationships on this show because that's for no no. <laughs> in it, but I, I I mean the uh, the the band were present at his wedding. I believe. Yes, they were. Yeah, and and he, if anyone does want to know more about his experience, well, there's a there's a song that I think in the future that's I think is about him that we'll discuss. But I think as well there is a podcast he did a few years ago where he was talking about leaving the band, and it's actually a difficult listen actually in parts because of his kind of the pressure he had watching them at Glastonbury with Nick after he after he um, was well, I thought he left, but apparently he might have been actually booted out just because of his unhappiness. Yeah, it's it's it can be a bit emotional listening back to it, but um, I was wondering actually listening to this song or the when he's singing about these bands, and obviously these will be bands that they will have gigged with a lot, sort of going around Sheffield playing gigs and stuff. Do you think there's people in Sheffield who know that this song is about them? Like, <laughs> which now which now would be great, but at the time this huge band blows up and makes it, and one of their hit songs is about how rubbish and fake you are. That must be pretty depressing. <laughs> yeah. It it, it kind of makes you think of like. You know, when you, when we go to a party and there's always a really really drunk person like this song's about me, and it'll be like it'll be like Brown Eyed Girl by Van Morrison or something. It's like this song's about me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's someone going around the pubs of Sheffield, like you know, Fake Tales of San Francisco. It's a uh, about me that is yeah quite possibly <laughs> I, th- I think you i think now you would but um i think back then you probably be i'm gonna pull this word out again chagrin <laughs> by it at the time but uh but yeah no it's it's funny to think that that's <laughs> there's definitely people who know that it's about them because they used to gig with them and they're a memorable band to gig with i imagine but yeah it kind of brings me on to my favorite lyric of this this song nick <laughs> too busy with the mind on clever lines and as a microphone squeaks, a young girl's telephone beeps. Yeah, she's dashing for the exit. Yeah, she's running for the streets outside. Oh, you've saved me. She screams down the line. The band were fucking wank and I'm not having a nice time. I think, because the love blind but deaf, I think might be one of the greatest lyrics ever written. <laughs> but parking that, I didn't want to pick it because that as a, as a piece of constructed poetry, that actual just that amazing. The rhymes. That he's put together there beeps streets uh you know timeline the the structure of that sentence the scene setting i talk i talk a lot about inputting images in your head in later albums and the way that he does that but but 
actually just the way he puts images in your head, even at this point, is is really impressive. Like, because you really do see that when he reads that line, you really do picture the girl running outside, microphone squeaks on the stage, girl runs outside, screams down, she's drunk, she's, you know, shouting to her phone in an northern accent, oh, you've saved me, you know, I'm a fucking wank, like the girl from uh, When the Sun Goes Down video, you know, <laughs> and I'm not having a nice time. Just, yeah, just again, John Cooper Clark beautiful bit of writing i think you could read any of these songs as poetry take cards and monkeys away from it just just a poet and uh, reading these out on some poetry night and you would be impressed with the the wordsmith yeah absolutely absolutely spot on um i, I see i the, the the two lyrics you've mentioned there love being not only blind but deaf and that those were two of the ones i was gonna pick but i'm gonna i'm gonna pick now and i'll tell you for why I'm going to pick all the weekend rock stars Good. in the toilet That's what in their lines. <laughs> oh, oh, oh here we go. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Joel, pulling it out because again. of the, the, the joy it gave me like 17, 18 years ago when it was released and the joy it has given me this week. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Do you know what's, yeah, do you know what's going to be amazing is I've got like thoughts on songs that are going to, I think, I like to think that are going to like really like make people go, oh, wow, what a good interpretation of that song. So now I've just got to put up with this before I blow people away, I think, at some point. No, no one's, <laughs> or no one's or, or it's going to happen again. I know, or yeah. it's going to happen again. It's gonna, and everyone's going to go, yeah, we knew that song was about that. What are you talking about? You know so, I mean? uh, so uh, you, you know when he sings uh, Puppet on a String, Tracy Island? <laughs> I think that's actually a reference to Thunderbirds. <laughs> I want to say a really good one now, but I can't because I'm going to save it. And most of them are like from Humbug and on. So it's like, got to wait now as well to throw. Oh, there's a few. There's a few, I think. But no, you know what? You know what, Nick? I just, yeah, it was an error. There'll be a lyric somewhere that you've misinterpreted and we'll we'll find it. Don't you worry about that. I'm sure we will, mate. I'm sure we will. Sorry, I came out a bit too threatening then. uh... (laughs) Yeah, I'm really scared now. Yeah, so so you're picking your favorite lyric of this song because the other two were taken. You're picking one that brought you joy this week because I didn't know what it meant, and it's so obvious. That's fine. I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, okay, yeah. good. Um, so <laughs> your favorite musical moment? <laughs> this has been a weird episode, hasn't it? Mad in your ears. They make you get up and dance. They make you get up. It's so hard to not keep singing to these, these channels. Yeah. Uh, my favorite musical moment. In fact, I'll let you go first in case, because I've stolen to what you, you had down as your favorite lyrics, even though you mocked me on being nice and being the bigger man. <laughs> everyone, everyone can see that I'm the bigger man. Well, okay. So we've, we've actually mentioned quite, I think we've mentioned all my favorite musical moments in this song already. But You're going to say am... that lyric again, are you? Because it brought you up. So my favorite <laughs> musical moment is actually <laughs> We Can Rock it's a snare hit behind that particular lyric. <laughs> no. I'm, What's I'm, a snare? No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually going to go for the bit right before the big loud crescendo slash breakdown, but specifically the little drum beat that comes before it. Foof that loves not only blind mm. but deaf. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's a very good one. Um, great. Yeah. I mean, that whole bit when it kicks in is mine. There's no like way around it that that's the, the best part of the song I, for me. I had um, a feeling you're going to pick that. That's why I kind of I kind of moved it back like a second to the bit just before. <laughs> are you go. Oh, you trying to say you were accommodating me? Trying to be nice now? Trying to crawl back at you after you've spent all the evening laughing at me? 
you know, when it kicks in, all that, as I was saying earlier, that frustration from the lyrics and the anger and the resentment just boiling up and boiling up and boiling up, and then it just releases. And and what a great moment um, live. And I was saying about the argument, but the whole song really does feel like that. Like you've been wound up and then you just blow up, and they, they not only capture that in the lyrics, but when he, I don't know whether he writes the where he wrote the lyrics first or the music came first, but whichever way they're accommodating each other because it's it's just spectacular the way that it it mirrors it because it, the song is structured like like an argument. It builds and builds and builds and then just goes crazy, and then and then perhaps even a little bit at the end of the kind of cool down after an argument when you finally add the release, the kind of which I actually think you were saying about this being a bit of a Teddy Picker. Um, uh, in the family of teddy pickers, which I uh, which I agree with very much, but I also think it's in the family of balaclavas with the way it ends. It's you know what I mean? It's got a very similar outro to that, a uh, very unusual um, outro for for a song to have that's been quite quick. But but yeah, I just thought that it was. Um, I just think that bit's amazing. There's just no even just listening to it, you just want to kind of jump up and down, don't you? When it kicks in, even after all these years, and uh, yeah. Loved it, loved it, loved it. I think back in the day when 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 this album came out, obviously you go you go to like in little sticky floored indie nightclubs, and as as good <laughs> as it'd be to to hear, I bet you look on the dance floor because because you felt like yeah, this song's at number one, and I knew it first. Mm. I, I knew it before it was at number one. This is like my yeah, band. Yeah. This is but but hearing this used to fill me with unbridled joy. Just hearing this in a nightclub, yeah. Yeah, it was one of those ones that you you wouldn't always hear because it wasn't one of the bigger hits. But you like a kind of it wasn't a single basically, so you wouldn't always hear it. There was a time when they were cramming as many songs as they could, and we'd always get this, which is yeah, such a cool moment. That's pretty so, much. Just more, we loved it, didn't we? We loved it. We loved it. We loved it. We loved it. Shock. Um, that's my that's my hot take. I loved it. It's been a weird episode, this, but I think it's been a good. I, th- I think this. I think this is the kind of song where because it's musically like simple but effective, and it's also lyrically like there's a lot to say, but it's very um, kind of. I was going to say it's not. Um, it's quite in your face, but I got one of the lyrics wrong. So what do I know? It's 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 a funny song to cover because it, it's a great tune, but it's. Like a lot of the ones that we said before, it's simplistic but great, isn't it? You know, there's, it, it's just got a real like that. Like I say, I suppose that's why it sounded youthful. I suppose when you're young, young you can do great things, but they're born out of simplicity. I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And on that, I, note... I have nothing to add to that. Well, with that in mind, this has been our deep dive into track three from whatever people say I'm. That's what I'm not. That was Fake Tales of San Francisco. And next week, Dan, next Lesbian Wednesday, what are we going to be chatting about? Well, next week, all you sexy little swines, it's the fourth track from whatever people say, and that's what I'm not, Dancing Shoes. Another, another, another absolute banger. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. Oh, I can't. I I mean, I could say this for pretty much every single... Every single one. We are going to say that pretty much. I think, no, I think there'll be some where you go, yeah, it's not. But there's ones that you go, oh, yeah, this was like, yeah. You were talking about songs being played in the clubs. This was Dancing Shoes was one when this came on as well. Yeah. Yeah. You better watch out if this comes on in the club because me and Nick, me and Nick are going to be poorly dancing towards you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Invading your personal space. (laughs) Well, this has been Don't Believe the Hype. I've been Nick Lee. He has been Dan Holt. 
don't forget to subscribe, like, share it, shout at people in the street and tell them all about it. Just do everything you can to get as many people listening because it's not as bad as it could be, which is probably the best you can expect. Say bye mm. to everyone, Dan. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. See you next week. Don't Believe the Hype is hosted and produced weekly by Nick Lee and Dan Holt. Music used in the titles is royalty-free music courtesy of Les FM. Don't forget to subscribe on your podcast player of choice to be notified every Wednesday when a new episode is released. And if you want to help us out further, be sure to like and review to help make us more visible to like-minded souls. We'll see you next week with more of the same.